Welcome to Our Certain Point of View, where your hosts, Jim and Tim, will bring you new weekly discussions about the Star Wars universe. Our Certain Point of View is a fan-based podcast and has no connections with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. We're recording, so hello everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Our Certain Point of View. I'm Jim. Hello there. I'm Tim. And today, what are we going to talk about, Tim? We're going to talk about Chapter 12 of The Mandalorian. We are. Chapter 12, Season 2. Called the what? Yeah. The Siege. Oh, there's a guy, like, uh, I think mowing grass right outside my window. That's nice. Um, Can you hear that? I can. Very good. All right. Yeah, The Siege. Um, So, which was an interesting name. Um, So... Let's get started with our news. Uh, do we have any news? Do you have anything? We have a little bit of news, um, and I really think we need to, to schedule a special broadcast for it. Um, Ooh. And that would be what just came on Tuesday. Oh, yeah, Life Day. Yeah, Tuesday was Life Day. So happy Life Day, everybody. Uh, it's been it's been kind of fun. We had, a, we had a really fun, good Life Day, and this Life Day brought us something kind of special. We've been talking about it for a while on here, which is the Lego... Star Wars holiday special, yep. and uh, I think we're planning a, a special broadcast soon where we we go into and just talk about that because it's that much fun. I got interrupted and I haven't actually watched the last fifteen minutes of it, so uh, I was enjoying the first part of it, but uh, I haven't actually finished it yet. So that's my bad. Um, any other news? I mean, there's always the. Uh, you know, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you enjoy the show. It's how we grow the show or whatever platform. Uh, please click subscribe, and uh, you'll be doing us a favor. So that's that's my news as always. And always a shout-out to Shasta Mandalorian Mangold and to Arden for our music. What do you got? That's all the news I've got this week. All um, right, well, then you know what time it is. It's time for our sponsor. Yes, it is. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It's not working. Uh, quick, Tim, distract him. Hello there. Hello there. How's it going? It's uh, Taco Tuesday. It's, it's, it's Friday, Friday, dude. Um, That's a quote right, from the here we go. It's here it is. Friday. Two chicks, eggs here. We- oh, wrong one. Here it is. Two Chicks Eggs here. We noticed you have not reached out to us about your car's extended warranty. But never fear, Egg Seal is here. Our easy-to-use patent-punching technology is applied by slinging it right at the target areas of your vehicle. (laughs) But why? Egg Seal helps protect from troublesome paint damage often caused by cars being egged. (laughs) Please note that we still do not cover egg-related mishaps, and we also cannot guarantee that the odor is pleasant. No need to hurry with your decision. We'll be in touch soon to remind you about your car's extended warranty. And there you have it. They, they're increasingly sounding threatening to me. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. So they're going to throw eggs at my car to, to protect my car from paint damage. That's right. There's a, there's a logic there. I like it. Um, and they're going to contact you about your extended warranty. So that's our sponsor. Um, two chicks, eggs. All right. Um, yeah, we're, uh, let's do our countdown, shall we? Sure. Um, so we're going to keep it kind of brief here. We're running out of them anyway. But uh, Star Wars The High Republic books are still slated to come out in 46 days on January 5th. Yep. And, of course, After Star, that, uh, Star Wars ahead. Day, Tuesday, Star May Wars 4th, Day, yeah. 165 days. 
And then we've got the Star Wars Lego The Skywalker Saga video game, May 31st. That's 192 days away. And then a big one I'm looking forward to, Star Wars The Mandalorian, an original novel. Our only prime number today on November 2nd, which is also a Tuesday, is 347 days away. Oops. Yeah. Yeah, and then the last one we really probably did. Everything else is over a year away, so let's keep on going. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, so let's get on to the show. Uh, we're trying yeah. to, huh? I said yeah. So the recap. First of all, the we can, we got to do our. Here he comes again. Seems like a World War One pilot outside my window. Um, the re- let's do our meta first. This show came in at 40 minutes, but the truth is the, uh, the credits run almost five minutes. They do. Um, and that's every week. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you notice who directed this? Oh, I didn't see the direction. Uh, well, it was written by John Favreau, so so far all of them have been written by John Favreau. This, I think, might be a first. I'll have to double check, but it's Carl Weathers. Really? He directed it, yeah. So that was kind of cool. I missed that. I meant to look at it, and I missed it. That That is cool. Yeah, um, Carl Weathers directed. Um, well, I'm happy with Carl Weathers' direction. Yeah, it, it was. Oh, there were some seriously beautiful scenes in this. Um, this was very much a, a Star Wars episode, you know. And I think that's true for a lot of The Mandalorian, but this this had a very old-school Star Wars feel. So I was super happy with that. So yeah, our opening, we're uh, introduced to some characters we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was interesting. There was no real mention of what happened last week. Nope. On the episode, um, except that he, you know, he says, "I know where I'm taking you," but then he says, "You know, we can't." Um, so we see Grief Karga in the in the opening. We see the Mithril in the opening. We see Doctor Pershing in the opening, and we see um, Cara Dune. And we do. Um, and, yeah, we see the Doctor, and specifically, I think the important part about the Doctor, the Camino cloner Doctor that had briefly gotten hold of the baby, is he says, please don't hurt him. Um, I think that's interesting that that's what they want to emphasize the Doctor saying, because we see him again later in this episode. Um, I do, before we want to get, before we go into the episode, because you're right, they don't mention anything about kind of last week's storyline, which means Papa Bear was absolutely right about that. Um, <laughs> he called that one. Um, yeah, I went back and watched the last seasons of Rebels, and if you want to understand what's going on in the Mandalorian right now, it's a really good idea, uh, because the it begins with the Heroes of Mandalore, where it talks about the dark saber going from from Sabine Wren to um, to Bo-Katan, and that is the last time we see the planet of Mandalore. Is Bo-Katan has united all the clans except for uh, Gar Saxon, uh, Clan Saxon, and the remainders of uh, the Death Watch. Um, which last week is what they referred to as the watch. Um, and that's it. Uh, so what the Empire has done there since then, hopefully will be revealed in this. And as uh, as Tim mentioned last week, there is a flash forward where uh, Sabine Wren, a Mandalorian, um, goes off with, um, with Ahsoka Tano, you know, a sort of semi-Jedi, hopefully most of y'all are familiar with her, to go find a sort of semi-Jedi named uh, Ezra Bridger. And now we know that the Mandalorian's looking for Ahsoka Tano, so there's a very good chance we might run into those characters. So that would be really, really, really awesome to see uh, all three, any, any of those three. That's um, what we're hoping for. Yeah, so, but yeah, this, this week's episode doesn't really touch on any of that. So we get to the cold open. But it's still really important. You know, like, they yeah. did a good job of making sure that this is important to the story, um, we think. So yeah, the the cold open starts with a, a little bit of humor. 
Yeah, he's trying to fix the ship on the fly with Baby Yoda's inside the little the internal works. Yeah, and, this... um, and I took this to show a bit more of his his ability to understand and, and, and work with. You know, like he has been around long enough to start to comprehend what's being said to him. Because um, there's always that debate of how much does the child really know yeah. and understand and how much is the Mandalorian just talking to himself. Um, and we actually get a little bit of both of that here, but when he's trying to get him to help, you know, he clearly understands, I want you to do something, but he can't quite yeah, it, put it together. Yeah, it does lend itself to the idea that he has a hard time understanding semi-complex ideas. Here comes the World War One ace again. He gets closer and closer. Anyway, um, yeah, it's a kind of a funny moment, and then he touches the two leads together, and it sparks, and basically they realize, okay, we're, we're not going to be able to fix this thing on the go. Uh, they show an interesting scene after that where they're in the hold. Yeah, I like this a lot. And the baby's drinking some sort of you know, drink, and the Mandalorian is drinking, but he's keeping his helmet on. And baby Yoda is trying to look up under that helmet, it looks like. Yeah, he looks like he's trying to see what's what he looks like. Yeah. Um, which gives the implication that after all this time, he still hasn't removed his helmet in front of the child. Yeah, so this is kind of interesting. Okay, that is annoying. That has to stop, I hope so. Anyway, yeah, so... So, so, um, so yeah, that's that was a... I kind of have a sad face next to mine here. Like, he tries to see him. He wants to see him. He wants that connection. Yeah. Um, but he's he's not getting it. Um, oh, before I forget, I, I uh, misspoke something that uh, I said. Dennis had talked about how the crate dragon had been. This is a total segue, like we're off topic. Uh, how a crate dragon? He, I had said that he said that they had buried explosives. No, in the comic book, they put them on a bantha and fed the bantha to the crate dragon. That's what Dennis had told me. So I totally misrepresented his comments, and it was the thing that all of us after that episode said, "Why didn't they do that to begin with?" Um, so there you go. Anyway, now back to this scene. They're sitting down there, and he says. Uh, we're never going to make it to uh, Corvus like this. How do you feel about visiting some friends? Back to Navarro. Yeah. And now we flash to... So I call this some, some classic uh, father-son bonding time here. Just just talking and... Like, I liked the... This whole opening scene really shows them together. Like, it shows that, that they still have that separation. Yeah. But it also shows their, their trust in one another. They're a little duo. Um... Yeah. But when we go back to Navarro, so the camera pans and it shows the old uh, crate dragon skull symbol of the Mandalorians you know, um, in the armor's shop. It pans down to that shop and it's being ransacked by the Papa, uh, the Panda Baba people. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, the Aqualish. Yeah, the the guy that uh, he's the the same race that hassled Luke in A New Hope and um, yep. and um, Obi Wan ended like up him. cutting off the guy's arm. He doesn't yep. like you. I don't like you either. He was the one who didn't like him initially. Anyway, yeah, so these guys are ransacking this place. And they hear something, and Skaboosh, Gina Carano, Cara Dune yeah. comes out. Oh, and, no, it's the Marshal. Hmm? Yeah. Oh, Ma and the subtitle says, oh, no, it's the Marshal. Marshal Dune. I think you're a little quiet today. I can fix that. Yeah, because usually you're a little loud. Um, but, and this is where we see Gina Carano, like, her UFC background, she does some really great holds on these guys. Like she does this like uh, mount takedown um, of this one guy, and it's like that's not acting. Like that's that's an actual fighting skill. Like it's uh, she's awesome to watch. Um, oh yeah. So she takes these guys out. Um, 
the only thing I really have to say about the scene is there is the, there's a meta mistake in the scene, man. The the last guy, not the guy she punches, but the guy she shoots, like quick draw shoots. She quick draws with her left hand and then puts the blaster away with her right hand. And I'm like, well, that's weird. So I went back and watched it again. They flipped the image because when she pulls the blaster, her tattoo is on her left arm, but her tattoo is actually on her right arm. So for whatever reason, they flipped the image for that scene. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it makes no sense, but I guess they, you know, they, for some reason they flipped that image. So that's just a nice little piece of trivia if you if you're into that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, that. that's kind of cool. So I, one of the things that I got here was when they, I mean, just with that initial, oh no, it's the marshal. Um, this kind of tells us that because we haven't heard Marshall much before the Mandalorian. Um, yeah, that's but true. Clearly, that's a common, the, you know, what we're going to use as the common phrase for uh, head law enforcement of local planet or a local area on a planet. Well, and it definitely kind of blends itself to the Western feel because that's how you right. know, the Western United States was established by Marshalls. And then, not really relevant to the story, but it comes up later on. I did immediately go, oh, yeah. Cara Dune's going to have this this rat thing following her around forever now. Um, yeah, I called it her Momo. We, yeah, so we do end up seeing <laughs> that later on. Yeah, so. I, I, I called it her Momo when I saw it. Um, and and she's, it. But it's interesting because uh, they're, they're ransacking the Mandalorian's you know, former covert, and she says to this little Momo thing, got to return this stuff to their rightful owners. I'm not sure what that means. I, so I, I read this differently. It looked to me like they were just holding out there, that they yeah. weren't ransacking uh, it, but they so had they... gone and stolen that. Like they'd stolen money from other people. That's a great point. And brought it to back to what is now their little hideout, and she was returning it to them. Yeah, I would say that makes a lot more sense than what I was thinking. All right. So now um, that's the end of the cold open. Yep. And then we get the name of the show, dun, 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 The Siege. The Siege. And the man and I of the like, ship. Oh, I have no idea what this is going to be. Like, I did. Like, I, I still, saw the at the siege. end of the episode, I'm not entirely sure what it means. I guess the complex that they attack, but that's not really a siege. A siege is a prolonged war. So I'm not sure. It might be a reference to the scene we see at the end with the uh, X-Wing pilots, but we can talk about that at the end, what the name Maybe. means. Yeah. So Mandalorian comes in. The ship is rough. Um, I love it. The door won't fully open. That reminded me, straight out of Rebels Clone Wars, or not Rebels Clone Wars, out of Clone Wars, the last, when Obi-Wan goes to try to save Satine on Mandalore, he takes that old beat-up ship called the Twilight, in this exact yep. same scene, the the door only partially opens and he walks out on it. The only difference is for him, once he's standing on it, it breaks and falls the rest of the way. I kept expecting that to happen in the Mandalorian, but it was very cool. Anyway, yeah, simple little callback. So it was good. Um, Grief and Cara Dune are waiting for him. Yep. And and, and I, I love the line here with Grief Cara. It, the one thing that I found really odd about the initial interactions. Yeah. Well, and I guess it's not that odd. In my mind, I kept thinking, why does he keep like, there was so much focus on the Mandalorian and Grief Karga, and it's, but I guess they've known each other for a long time. Um, so, but I did like his interaction right away when he, when he takes the child. Has Mando been taking good care of you? Have you been taking good care of him? Like, just that, it was, uh, I thought yeah. that was interesting. I wrote down cute baby moment, because that yeah. seems so sincere. Like, Carl Weathers must have, probably is a, like a grandfather in real life or something. Yeah, that was awesome. Cute baby moments. Yeah. He says, you are taking care of him. 
Yep. And, and then he tells the, the mechanics to, uh, you know, get this thing fixed, you know, good as new, and the mechanic gives him an odd look, which at first we interpret probably to just mean, you know, are you crazy? Get this thing back to new. But later we find out that look has a much deeper meaning. Yeah, I, and I did, I did take the look as suspicious. Um, I didn't. Right I just thought he was like, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. So but, um, um, now we move into the markets where they've kind of cleaned up the town and cleaned yeah, up the area. And it's, looks good. it's beautiful there. Um, I, I really love this aspect of Star Wars. This is something that's that's always been interesting to me. Like you have Coruscant, which is, and I'm going to use the word advanced, right? Advanced technologically. Yeah. Um, but with all of Star Wars being so advanced with blasters, with ships, with space travel, with all these different things, uh, modes of transportation that are just different. I, I love the small town, um, the, the market atmosphere of, of what's going on here. Yeah. Um, and I love that throughout Star Wars. You know, it's, it's common on the Outer Rim and common on a lot of non, you know, core central planets. Um, and I just, I just like that there's still that simplistic, homey yep. feel. Well, and again, um, it lends itself to the Western thing and the, the guy being on a journey and all. I like yeah. it, too. Um, plus, it's kind of hard to pull off the big planet feel. Coruscant, even in the movies, comes across as a little bit... Uh, kind of uh, staged. Um, yeah, and it's, it's just kind of too big to get... they do a get pretty it. good job of showing enough of the of the travel. Clone Wars does a, a better job. Yeah. You see more and do more with it, but... Um, so then they go to the old bar, right, where they had their shootout. Yeah, well, they ask him about his ship first as they're walking to it. They said, I had a run-in with the New Republic, and Grief's yep. answer is pretty interesting there. We should leave the outer rim alone. So the Empire couldn't uh, couldn't handle it. They they can't handle it either. They should leave the outer rim alone. So he doesn't have any love for the New Republic. Yeah. But yeah, so they make their way back to the old cantina place that got you know shot up, and she says you should see it inside. Cara Dune says you should see it inside. And what is it? It's a school. That was so unexpected. I expected it to be like this opulent palace. That grief had set up, but no, it's a school. Or it's their, so cool. or even just their office, or like yeah. something. Um, so yeah, it's a school, and they're being taught by a, a protocol droid. Yep. And uh, we have, and and I don't like to use the term Baby Yoda, but there's no other way to say this. Baby Yoda goes to school. Baby Yoda. <laughs> That's what goes we have here. I'm expecting. I mean, I'm expecting toys based on this. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have a Baby Yoda, you know, in a. It's gonna say Baby Yoda in a desk chair and all kinds of stuff. I'm expecting this to happen. So. That's so, just me. They convince uh, Mando to leave Baby Yoda at the school, and there are some kind of interesting things being said by the protocol droid in the background. Uh, she mentions that uh, the old Republic, uh, you know, Coruscant was the capital, and Chandrilla. Yeah, I marked. The, I marked all that down. Yeah, the Chandrilla. Um, but but we're kind of distracted because Baby Yoda is looking at the kid next to him. Yeah. So if you don't have the subtitles and you're not paying attention, you're not you're missing all the stuff that she's saying, and none of it's. It's not that big a deal. Like she talks about Super Kessel, important. like why Kessel's yeah. are, it's in the middle I, of the I maelstrom the and stuff like that. I wrote the thing down. I was, like, I was like, what little secret thing is hidden in here? And it was the answer was nothing. Yeah, it's just um. kind of Star Wars geography, um, yeah. which we it's kind of common knowledge, nothing but new. They did a, yeah, and they did a really good job of fitting that with the music and uh, what you're talking about here with, with the child, all kind of fitting those different aspects in, and none of it was distracting from what was going on, yep. um, which I found to be interesting. Yeah, it was well So, yeah, done. He's, uh, he's sitting there, and keep on going. Yeah, so he sees the kid eating some what looked like uh, blue cookies. 
And it's clear that Baby Yoda wants some, and you, you can't tell if the kid's going to share or not. And the kid's like, no. And then the kid is distracted for a second, and Baby Yoda uses the Force to get the cookies when no one's looking. Dun, dun, dun. So this is the first time we've seen him use the Force in a long time. I think since that, since he burned that Stormtrooper to death. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the last time we saw him use the Force. And, and I talked to my son this morning, and I was like, oh, he's going to use the Force. But nobody saw him do it, which I thought was interesting, too. Yeah. Um, I expected to see, like, even if that kid didn't see, the know, kids somebody in the, in the back background saw, yeah. seeing something. Thought. But the classroom all seemed um, inaccurately focused on the lesson, so... But meanwhile, our, um, yeah, so it shows you how much um, Mando trusts uh, Cara Dune when she says, you know, you can leave the baby here, he'll be safe. Um, yep. Because he does, and ordinarily he wouldn't have done that. With, when Grief says it, he still has his doubts, apparently. But when Cara Dune says it, then he goes with him. So we're... Should we so, wait? So, they, yeah, they go into the office. Um, I guess it's, it's Grief's office, and we see the mithril in there. And we find out that the reason he was on the bounty list to begin with was because he had cheated grief. We didn't know that before. And he yeah, which now... is interesting because it sounded like he was someone... Well, and I guess that actually makes sense. Like, in my mind, he was a rich guy. Um, yeah, he kept talking about all the money like... he had. And that's what the money was. It was, <laughs> it was grief's <laughs> money. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, so we see him, and, um, yeah, they make a joke about, you know, didn't expect to see you if you run off. He says, well, no, more carbonite for me. I'm still blind in my left eye, which is, of course, a callback to uh, uh, Return of the Jedi when Han Solo and Leia are talking about carbonite blindness. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, and he also, uh, did you like all the mist that came out of his neck? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Grief says we could use your help with an old Imperial base. It's just and got a skeleton crew. There's no, we don't really know why they're even still here. We don't even know why they're here. We just want Navarro to, uh, we want to mop up, clean, get him off the planet, and we want Navarro to be safe and so, free. Yeah, and this is what I was interested in. So before, again, before Cara Doom, and I guess it's just the, the bounty hunter part of Karga, um, he's like, I just want them off the planet. If we could take them out, we could be a trade anchor for the entire sector. Yep. You know, and he had talked about the the value of the stuff in there. So in my mind, I keep going back to, oh, do you want to just get the stuff? You know, and he says, I just want them off the planet. And, you know, you wonder for a minute if he's telling the truth. And we see later on, that is what he wants. Yeah. Um, he wants them gone. He actually wants this, this trade anchor thing he's talking about, which is cool. And then Cara Dune says, and Navarro would finally be free. And they really do want this. Um, and I love the, the character growth in these two. I, um, yeah, I was, I was so compelled by it. I had never for a moment even thought to doubt him, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, so that, that is cool that they, yep. yeah, I just assumed he was on the straight and narrow now. He's seen, well, at least, you know, working in the best interest of that planet. Um, and then the next scene, so you mentioned earlier, this, this episode is kind of a lot of action. Um, so the next scene, we're on a speeder heading out to this base. Um, and they've got a plan. It, it, it works off of some sort of lava flow. And if they can overload the reactor and get out, uh, it'll blow up. So it's an easy, pretty direct plan. And it's supposed to be, you know, only skeleton crew, like Tim said. Um, and where do you want to go? To the front door. And our mithril doesn't like this. And, uh... And uh, Grief kind of strong arms him into joining this whole mission. 
Yeah, um, he does that a few times yeah. throughout this episode. And he know, tries it's... to get him to break open the door to the place, and while they're waiting, Mando, Mando just flies up and gets on the platform, which is a hilarious scene, because like a, you know, a couple seconds later, a stormtrooper falls. <laughs> I wrote down, falling stormtroopers are always a good time. Yeah, they are. Um, and then the door opened, so I couldn't tell if the Mandalorian had opened it or what. Or if... Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that was definitely... He opened it from up, from up that, above. That's what I assume, to, too. Sent the lift down, yeah. Because the Mithril made the point. He's like, I don't even have the equipment to do this. This is for doing light plumbing work <laughs> that, that Tooley's got. Um, and he says, I'm going to wait here. And they're like, that's fine. Just, you know, when the, when the lava flow comes, we'll throw a rope down to you. <laughs> and then he decides to go with them. Um, Which I thought was interesting because of the speeder. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I wondered, like, isn't that your escape route? But so you was, notice the driver, uh, the drivers on these speeders, uh, usually on the right side, right-hand side. I wonder if that's a nod to the fact that uh, Star Wars was mostly filmed in London originally. Maybe. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, um, she, uh, we hear Dink Farrick again <laughs> quite a yep. few times in this. Uh, so... Empty base, huh? They get to the top, and there's a few dead stormtroopers up there. Um, this is just like a mission that you do as uh, Lando Calrissian, where you have to go blow up a weapons factory. You've got to shut down the cooling lines, and that's going to cause the lava to overflow and destroy the base. It is literally one of the Battlefront II uh, missions uh, in the story mode. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But while they're on the platform, they see this old uh, vehicle called a Trexler Marauder. Yep. I, I looked this up. Once again, this is unique to the Mandalorian, so I guess they got a new toy coming out. Um, this has not been in any other Star Wars. It's very similar to the old uh, troop transports that they had in Rebels, but um, now this is a new vehicle, even though he says old Trekler Marauder. So they take the control station, and one of the things that I think is kind of neat about uh, Star Wars is they always have those little uh, metal cylinders on them. And you know what those little metal cylinders are? They always have them like in their breast pocket or on their sleeves. Oh, yeah. They're keys. Yeah. And they, they once again kind of make a nod to that because they take one of the cylinders off of this officer and, uh, you know, gives it to the mithril. And they're going down. So now they got to make their way to, uh, to the lava control room, which is, of course, this was hilarious to me. Um, they, you know, it says slice the door, but they just use the key. Um, and it looks just like the tractor beam um, yep, in, that's in I put the, New Hope. A nod to old Ben. Yep. But you know what? Did you catch what the Mithril said when they told him to go out there and turn it off? It's an old Star Wars joke. Oh, no, I didn't hear him. He says there's no guardrail on this thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every time you see the, you know, the Death Star fire its weapon, you see those two dudes... But yeah, every time you see the, the Death Star fire its weapon, there's no guardrail there. And I think Robot Chicken actually made a joke about that. So I love that he said that there's no guardrail here. <laughs> uh, but he goes out there and he shuts it down. And they're like, how long before the base explodes? And uh, they say they got 10 minutes. And now some alarms start to go off. And now we've got stormtroopers and our guys decide to take a, a new route. And when they do, this turns the episode completely around. Because there's two people in Camino uniforms. Cloners and darn good ones. Well, we don't know if they're good ones. Well, those we don't know, but Camino ones typically were. Um, yeah, there's two Camino ones in there. And did you hear what the one said? Destroy it? 
Yeah, he said, hurry up, purge the drive. So while he yep. starts shooting at our heroes, the other guy starts shooting at the computer. Like, he's more worried about getting rid of that information than he is of saving his own life. And that's pretty wild, man. Um, so, yeah, they, they quickly take these two guys out because they're not really soldiers. But the information they get out of this is insane. It's just, wow. Yeah, um, everything here. So this is where it gets huge. Yeah. And I've got questions. So initially they walk right up and they see what what I think is it's pretty clear that it's it's you know clone yeah they're clone tanks I mean right? they're, so they're, they're they look just like the tanks from Rise of Skywalker yeah um, so now we have questions right yeah, and we there do. are different things that lead you to different places so initially I'm thinking is this are they working for the Emperor or are they working on the Emperor yeah um, are they working? Is it the emperor it, who's working? Are they working on Snoke? Uh, Snoke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ready. Um, and you know, my kid pointed out. He goes, I, th I think they might be trying to force infuse like people. Yeah. Um, and that came from one of the comments that they made. Yep. So yeah, let's let's take this apart. Uh, Cara Dune says this isn't a military base. This is a lab. And they access to the last record, and it's the doc that we saw that tried to, you know, well, that we saw in the recap, too, that was protective of Baby Yoda. Um, and the doc is saying we had a catastrophic uh, failure. Uh, the body rejected the blood. And he says, I highly doubt we'll find a donor with a higher M count, though. Yeah. And what, what do you think M stands for? That's our midichlorian Midichlorian. So Baby Yoda is who they're talking about here. And we know that because... Um, well, let's, we'll get that to a second. He says, I fear the volunteer. Now, that's interesting. He says, they've got volunteers. I fear the volunteer will meet the same regrettable fate if we proceed. What if the volunteer was Fennec Shand? The assassin that we thought was dead at the end of uh, Gunslinger? If they somehow like were able to like rescue part of her? That would be so cool. Anyway, I just suddenly had that so, thought. Yeah, the volunteer part was what I found interesting. Because initially, I was like, this has to be how they're trying to clone the Emperor. Um, trying to work this out with the with the force powers and everything, but I don't know what they need a volunteer for unless they're just trying to get somebody who's force active that the emperor can then put his. Well, my know, kid brought up the Inquisitors. Into. That maybe this is the remnant of the Inquisitors. Um, so that I don't know. We don't know who the volunteer is, but this is where we know he's talking about the child, because his next line is, we exhausted our initial supply of blood. The child is small, and I was only able to harvest a limited amount without killing him. Um, so we know that this, you know, they're, they're taking blood from Baby Yoda and putting it in these, these bodies to try to do something, we assume infuse them with the force, and that so far it's killing people when they do this. Um, but he says we need the donor, and then he says, I won't fail you again, Moff Gideon. And the Mandalorian says, well, this has to be an old, you know, we killed Moff Gideon. He says, it's only three days old. Dun, dun, dun. So if Gideon's alive, oh, no. Did that remind you of A New Hope when Luke says, uh, if they followed the droids here, that'll lead them back home. Home. Yeah, that it totally yeah. reminded me of that when he when he did that. If Gideon's alive, um, then yeah, and he says it almost right away. Yeah, so you know, I need to get the kid. 
he has to get the kid. And this is when some stormtroopers bust in and breaks into a fight, and Cara Dune's like, go get them. I'll use your jetpack. You'll get faster, and we'll, we'll figure our own way out, basically. So we got two running fights here. Not much to talk about other than they are cool. The Mandalorian. They're really good fights. So when we say that, you know, there's just not much for us to, to describe. Not They're dismissing really good it. Fights, so. Yeah, they, they are yeah. awesome. Um, the Mandalorian is able to get away with his jetpack uh, by flying up the lava spout thing, but I do want to take a second to talk about the uh, the fight with Cara Dune and uh, Grief and the, the Mithril. So they get pinned down on that platform way up in the air where that old marauder is. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> they end up basically hijacking this old vehicle and driving it off the cliff. This is leads to one of the coolest scenes I think I've ever seen in Star Wars. Yes. When those speeder bikes come tearing out of the base and off that cliff, holy cow, every, I was like, this is the coolest thing. I want to do that so bad. Even though two of them crash, you know, one of them hits a rock and bounces and knocks the other one and they explode. Um, so five of them leave the base. Two of them don't make it down. Three of them do. But yeah, that so was, Mike. This was my question oh. here, too. It was so, because it was awesome. And that was the first thing my, my kid was like, oh, my gosh, like, that's really cool. And then they did. They crashed. And I was like, well, wait a minute. This seems unusual because when you look at the speeder bikes, when they first see them, they're all angled to leave out of that hangar bay door. So they need a route to leave through unless they're usually going to get into a ship or something to take them somewhere. Yeah, I have no idea how or why they were ready, but holy cow, it was beautiful that they were. And now we're in the canyon. So we got three speeder bikes following them. Um, It's a pretty exciting chase, but not much to say here other than uh, I do love how they incorporated the 1977 visuals um, once again into these targeting systems. So it looks very similar to New Hope when Grief is on that gun. and, yeah, and everything, everything in this this whole scene, going all the way back into when they were inside the complex, still had a very. Um, this is what I was talking about earlier in the episode. Original the, trilogy, the Star Wars feel. Yeah, yeah, it it all felt like that. Yep, for sure. Yeah, um, and those were, I believe, the same model speeder bikes we saw on. Because uh, now we've seen multiple models. I think those were the same model that we saw on Endor. Um, and those things were so cool. So, yeah, he manages to knock uh, one of them down. But then the other two flank him. And I love it because Cara Dune just slams the one guy into the wall. <laughs> and she, she says, woo, when she does it. It's awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, what are you expecting? You know, like, I, don't, I don't know what those guys were thinking. I guess I they mean, I thought. I knew he wanted to pull up and shoot. So he, I guess they figured, you know, if we get up on both sides, they won't know which way to go. One of us just needs to get a shot in there appropriately. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they got their shot, but they, they missed it. Um, but the other guy does manage to climb on. It looks like he's got himself some sort of a thermal detonator type device. He's getting ready to lodge in there. When Grief is able to lock onto him, and boosh, that was a that was a heck of a hit. That was a heck of a hit. Uh, yeah, with a Django style rolling helmet. Yeah. Um, and but and our heroes think that they're safe. But no, four Tie Fighters now take off from uh, from the base. The base is destroyed though. Um, so that part's right, and yet again we have another trench run. Dun dun dun! As these yep. type fighters chase him down this uh, trench, and uh, grief is you know he's he says take evasive action, which I don't know what that means in a trench. Um, 
The sound effects are so beautiful, though, because they are the, uh, like, when they're inside the cockpit of the uh, TIE Fighter, it's the same sound effects from A New Hope. Like you said, so much of this is, like, the original trilogy stuff. It's so yeah. cool. Um, yeah, the semi-manual the semi targeting with, the, with evasive actions seems tricky. Yeah. Um... So he is able to take one out before uh, one of the grief is able to take one of the tie fighters out before they leave the trench. Um, but now they're out in the open, and uh, he's over for them. Yeah, I'm like they're like we uh, we're almost there, and I was like, so. <laughs> my thoughts were like, do they have some sort of air defense at this place or something? Like, what like, am I, I missing? Figure out what in the world was going on at this yeah, point. He seemed excited that they're almost at the town. I'm like, as far as I know, that's not going to help them any. Um, but I guess there could be some kind of defense set up around the perimeter of the town, like something like people were there guarding because they know the Empire could be around or something. I guess. I mean, they must have some sort of defenses because they have civilized this place, and obviously it wasn't that civil before. But I don't know about air threats. But then we see the one part of the episode that I think gives me problems, maybe probably everybody problems, because, you know, they still got three TIE fighters on them, but one of them explodes overhead. And then we see the Razor Crest fly by. And you know why this gives me problems, don't you? No. Really? The thing looks brand new. And then it gets into a, a dogfight with two TIE fighters simultaneously, which is kind of hilarious because uh, Grief is watching on Binos, on Binox, and uh, Yoda's in there eating cookies and laughing. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was kind of awesome that he's in there. But how, how long were they there? <laughs> um, because who was taking care of the baby if they were if they weren't? I mean, that ship went from barely flying to looking brand new and acting brand new in what seemed like an hour. Um, so I mean, maybe you know, to be realistic, I mean, the show maybe took place over the course of two hours, three hours, because I mean, he's in a classroom. Um, I don't know, but so that that did bother me that the Razor Crest is all of a sudden all fixed because two guys worked on it for a couple hours. Um, it looks great. The fighting is cool. Um, it actually did remind me, especially with the last one, the last Tie Fighter of uh, playing the game Squadrons <laughs> when you're going head on against someone and yeah. you're just waiting to see whose shields are going to run out first. Um, it definitely had that feel and the. As they're doing the head-on uh, shot, ba they shoot to Baby Yoda, and he's in there literally giggling. That that was awesome. Um, and Mando wins. And uh, so, yeah, he's flying around, and Baby Yoda throws up. <laughs> and uh, that's that's it for Navarro, because uh, he's not even going to land. And uh, Grief tries to tell him to land, let me buy you a drink. He said, nah, what do I owe you? You know, the repairs are fine, that sort of thing. Um, and Mando says he, he needs to hit the road. Now that he knows Gideon's still alive, he needs to hit the road before Gideon catches wise that they're there. Right. But, uh, while Mando is done with Navarro, we still have some unfinished business. We see someone that we saw a couple episodes back, a TIE fighter, or X-Wing pilot. Yeah. Named Carson, if I remember correctly. He refers to him as Officer. Um, she calls him blue at one point, Cara Dune does, which I don't know what that means, so we'll, we'll see in a second, maybe. But anyway, yeah. we, they just showed the, the town with two X-Wings parked out front, and he come, and it's Carson, the guy we saw from, um, 
a couple episodes back on the ice planet. So apparently him and the other pilot, who was played by Dave Filoni, they've got the job of, like, scouting the Outer Rim, I guess. Um, and he, you know, is clearly questioning grief, and grief is not being fully, you know, honest or forthright with his information. Um, you know, the guy says, well, what about the Razorcrest? What Razorcrest? Oh, our, you know, that's a pre-Empire ship. We, our droids can't tell what those are. And he, was, and he was being very clear that I have information I'm not providing you with. Like, it was yeah. very obvious that he just was not going to cooperate. Yeah, and Carson doesn't seem, he seems more frustrated uh, rather than mad. And in grief, and Carson's like, well, if you think of anything, let me know. And grief is like, oh, yeah, definitely. If you're ever out this far again. Um, which kind of shows you grief's feeling towards the New Republic. Um, but then Carson goes out to Cara Dune. Yeah. And she says, our records show you're, um, you're quite a soldier. We could really use you. And this is where she she's uses the term blue. She says, I'm not a joiner, blue. Um, so I don't know what that blue means. I don't know if that was his first name or... I don't know. It didn't seem like they knew each other. Um, no. no, it seemed more... Referring to something... I don't know if it's Blue Squadron, because, you know, they brought back Blue Squadron for Rogue One. It was supposed to be Blue Squadron and A New Hope, but they were using blue screen back then instead of green screen. So they had to change the uh, X-Wings to um, to red, so they would show up on the uh, blue screen. So they, they in homage, they made it Blue Squadron in uh, Rogue One. So I didn't know if that had anything to do with it, but, I mean, of course, that was a long ways in the past for, for Mandalorian. Uh, anyway, did you know that, by the way? No. I just gave you some new trivia. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I thought this this X-Wing guy is, is kind of interesting because he's like, there's something going on out here, and they don't believe it on the core worlds, but it's true, and it needs to be stopped before it's too late. And I thought that was interesting. I don't know if this is, again, a reference to, like, are we talking about Rise of Skywalker stuff, or is there something else that's going to be Mandalorian-related? Like, th- that's that's a very big, wide-open, dun-dun-dun. There's something going on, and we need to stop it before it's too late. And Dune yeah, doesn't... And it, it, I couldn't tell if it was just... If it was... I mean, it seems like they're interested in removing factions of the Empire they can find. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there keeps... And I don't know if these planets have any affiliation with the New Republic... But there, there keep um, there are continual problems on different planets, all surrounding the Razor Crest. So, yeah, it could be that you know somebody keeps going around and shooting planets up is what it seems like to them with the Razor Crest. But I, I really think it's the Empire. But it could yes. be. Yes, I was about to say. I think it. I think he's more concerned with whatever Moff Gideon's up to. That's my guess. Yeah, because he's like, there's something bigger going on out here. But we don't know. Um, And, yeah, I don't think he would refer to just, like, pirates and normal kind of, like, craziness that way. But um, then he kind of tries a different tack with her. He says, you're from Alderaan. And then he's, did you lose anyone? And Cara Dune is just, you know, really, I thought she, powerful, you know, she just kind of says, I lost everyone. And it's a pretty powerful little uh, scene right there. And he says, I'm sorry for your loss. And you can tell he means it. Uh, he also says he was in the service when Alderaan... So, yeah, it's, it's a... Uh, he also says he was in the service when that happened. So it's a pretty powerful scene. This guy seems really sincere to me. I, um, I think so. I, I truly, truly believe so. I would say he is a rebel pilot. And he is... 
he is someone dedicated to the cause. Um, I did find it, and I know we brought this up, but it's interesting that these guys are flying for the New Republic. Yeah. Um, you know, where the resistance, and I don't know when it happens, but the resistance in the New Republic split. You know, the resistance in the sequels is not the New Republic's um, navy. Yeah. So I don't know when that split happens or if they just, you know, have some police force to do minimal stuff. So you know, what is that? Peace. What is that symbol he leaves? I think that he gave her her insignia or an insignia that if she puts that on and walks back in, she's back into... It may look like a police badge with a rebel insignia. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So my, my guess is like he said, look, if you change your mind, you don't even have to like call me or fight me. Just you show back up. Here's your badge. Yeah. You've got it. You earned it. Um, or it could be a an official New Republic badge representing her, you know, I don't know how to use the word, marshalhood of this planet, you know, something like that. But it definitely seemed like he was giving her an official badge. It didn't yeah. seem like a calling card. I'd say it was a a badge. When, as the camera, I, it looked almost like a medal, too. Like, yeah, so badge sounds better. Makes more sense. Uh, and as the camera pans away from her, she doesn't pick it up. So I assume she Not probably right does away. end up taking it. Huh? Yeah, she kind of smiles, and she t- turns to watch him leave. But yeah. she doesn't, like, walk away from it. Correct. So I would assume she does pick it up, but... Not right away, anyway. And now we do change scenes again, and now we see one of the old-school Imperial uh, Corvettes, which I love these things. They look like mini Star Destroyers. Um, So it's an Imperial ship, and there's a young woman, young female officer. They just call her Officer. Do you have any guesses on who she might be or if she's important? Um, The timing is right. No. And even IMDb just says comms officer i my daughter and i were like what if that's Aiden verzio huh that's possible from uh from battlefront 2 i think the timing's right um that would probably be around the time she uh no she would have defected by then she defected not long after indoor because they did that operation scorch or, or torch where they started destroying planets so, no, I guess that's probably not Aiden Verzio. But anyway, she, uh, she's talking to the mechanic from, uh, from Navarro, and she says, is the device planted? And he, he confirms. She then reports to Moff Gideon, and this is our final scene, and she confirms what we thought, uh, what the mechanic meant. She says, the tracking beacon has been put on the, uh, the Razor Crest. And Moff Gideon says, does he still have the asset? And she says, he does. It's been confirmed. And he said, we will be ready and then the camera pans back, and what is in that room, man? I don't know, to be honest. So they're almost like death troopers. Yeah. But they're more involved, and I, 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 I don't know what's going on. This raised questions again. Yeah, are these bodies that have been cloned and put in armor? Are these robots? What the heck are these things? Are they, and well, that was my question. Now, this goes back to what my kid said earlier. Are they trying to you know, infuse them with some kind of level of force ability Yeah. to, like, what is all of this related to? Now, the only difference between these guys and what's going on in the lab is that these guys aren't in the lab, and the lab is currently failing. 
I mean, the lab is currently gone, but the lab was failing at whatever they were trying to accomplish. Um, so for him to have successful clones with force abilities wouldn't fit the conversation that Dr. Uh, Pershing was having. So Yeah. But they are definitely some kind of advanced death trooper. I don't know if they're clones or people or just machines or... I can't tell. Uh, I, this is probably thoroughly and completely unrelated, but it just I just had a thought about uh, something from the last season of Rebels. Did you remember they, the Empire created a weapon that targeted Besker? I, yes. I had totally forgotten that. So they hooked it up to an ATST and basically set this thing off. And it's kind of like an EMP, but it, it only affects Besker armor. And it, like, would fry anyone wearing Besker. And they were going to use this weapon to try to uh, conquer Mandalore, the Empire was. And it was, ironically, uh, you know, created by Sabine Wren um, when she was in the Imperial Academy. And then she later, like, whoops, shouldn't have done that. They ended up destroying this weapon and supposedly destroying the prototype and all the plans for it. But I don't know. I just wonder about that with uh, Moff Gideon and his, uh, you know, he obviously did conquer Mandalore. Um... At least it looks that way. Right. But that, yeah, so side, just kind of a side note, Moff Gideon's up to all kinds, of, he got his, he got his fingers in like all kinds of pies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he's got those Death Trooper looking guys, he's tracking the baby Yoda now, who he needs, and my guess is he doesn't care like the doctor does if they use up all of baby Yoda's blood. Um, but I still don't think it would have enough to do what they want, whatever they want to do. I'm thinking they don't have enough. So, I mean, you know who we're looking for in the next episode, right? I assume Ahsoka. That's, I would say so. So he's got a, a well-working, you know, his ship's working well now. Yeah, um, he's got know, no reason have, not to go to Corvus now. Yeah, to have some other, like, random side adventure. He's going to be in a hyperlane traveling to Corvus. He should get there next episode. So yeah. if she's there, you know, that's one thing. She might not be there anymore like we talked about before, but if she's there... Um, then he should, you know, meet up with her. Now, this raises other questions because they were talking about trying to find others with a high M count. Yeah. And Ahsoka would be another with a high M count. So it, as And I'm going to say something that you won't like. No. Okay. We currently don't know the end of Ahsoka's story. Yeah, I know. Uh, this could be a tragedy. But hey, I'm going to say something you don't like. You won't like. Ezra Bridger also has a high M count, and he's out there too. With yes. Ahsoka, potentially. Potentially. We don't know, you know, yeah. we don't know all that. Yeah. So you know, it's just one of those things. Like, at some point, we have to find out when we lose Ahsoka and when we lose... And Ahsoka's... And I imagine it won't be in a, a medical chamber, but... <laughs> you know, it's it's might be creepy, like when they showed the dead Luminara. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like she's in this series, as as great as Ahsoka is, as much as we know her, she is a side character in this series. Yeah. Um, or well, potentially, yeah. like we don't know what's happening, but I don't know. That's a that's a concern, a worry of mine. I, I doubt very seriously that she would become any more than a side character because I think this show, I think Dave Filoni and John Favreau's vision for the show is a show about the Mandalorian. Oh um, yeah, no, and that's that's yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. It's what not mean. about I mean, the Jedi or what happens to them, although a, they tell parts of that too. To, 
a good place to to end those stories if those stories need ending. Yeah. Yeah, well, that takes us to the end of that episode. So I guess next episode, we're hoping he gets to Corvus. Um, again, I said this last week uh, when Papa Bear was like, we're not going to see Ahsoka next episode. It turned out he was right. But it also turned out I was right. I enjoyed the episode immensely. Um, I said, even if we don't see her, I'm, I, it's not like they've ever made an episode that I was like, oh, that was sad that happened. That speeder bike chase alone was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, in Star Wars, when they just launch off that platform down yeah, that cliff, that's awesome. Um, well, it so. raises it raises a couple of other questions too. Like we, and, and we can still be under the impression that they might have cloned to create the child, but we don't know where the child came from. Still correct. And now it doesn't look like. I mean, it doesn't necessarily look like they created him, and they're trying to use him for those purposes. It looks like. They found out about him and found him and yep. wanted his high midichlorian count. So we don't know where he came from anymore. Yep. And I mean, we never did, but you know, we had those assumptions, and those assumptions still kind of stand, but just not the same way they did. Yeah. So we still got a lot of mysteries to work out here. Where's Baby Yoda from? What are they trying to do with him? What are all those things in the tank? And we know that failed clones, but what are all those things like in armor? Awesome stuff because again, yeah. John Favreau does not seem to disappoint. Um, my only problem with this episode, and it really, I gotta admit, it bothered me a lot that they left the ship for like two hours and then that thing was like perfect because it looked awful. Um, well, and he even says something about the Mon Calamari and their inability to fix his ship um, in that last episode. Yeah, but and those are Mon Calamari cruisers that the separate uh, that the rebels use and actually the separatists did too yeah. um they were a big producer of weapons during the wars so i don't know why they would not be able to fix ships all right i got one more for you oh yeah before the events of the mandalorian tv series that we saw yeah where do you think the majority of the razor crest repairs were done uh, i have no idea i would imagine on navarro as he returned for new jobs. I mean, it's possible these guys know the ship. Yeah. You know, if these are the, if, if the crew of, of mechanics, or whatever they're called here, yeah, are that's, the ones that's... who work on the Razor Crest, you know, at the very least, for, for flyability, for, you know, working on the engine, for working on the hyperdrive, like, if they know that ship, he's probably been in a bunch of firefights, they know how to fix and clean it up pretty well too yeah they probably are really familiar with it so that's you know the timing is still it does feel a little bit quick but hopefully that helps you out a little bit that's uh, that's a pretty good point yeah I'll, I'll accept that well done well that's it I think right I think so so next week is Thanksgiving are they still showing uh, the next yeah. episode after uh, on that Friday though right yeah if you're uh, I don't know what I don't know what what lines at stores are going to look like. Uh, I don't do the Black Friday thing. Well, I just mean, you know, for people, I don't know if people can. Like, I don't know what anything's going to look like true. this year. That's true. That's um, true. We, we got quarantine restarted around here. But you can go and, uh, you know, watch on a smaller screen if you're oot and a boot. Oot and a boot. Uh, not me. I'll be at home and I'll watch, but I'll probably watch at a reasonable hour as opposed to 5 a.m. Um, and... I assume you and I are going to get together next Friday? Yeah. 
Right on, so we can continue our Friday deadlines. We were unable, we had to record it at a different time today. Um, we're unable to get Papa Bear on here, so this is going to surprise him. Ha ha ha. We'll see uh, if we can get Papa Bear back soon, though. Um, yeah, I guess for now, though, that's it, right? That's it. Well, then I am Jim. And I'm Tim. And this has been. Our, Our certain, certain point of view. Point of view. Uh, remember, the force will be with you, and also with you, always. We have spoken. <laughs> we have spoken, um, and don't forget. Uh, you know, this during, is the way. Oh, and uh, one more little last message. We are redoing uh, quarantine. It seems like around here, it's it's kicking back in. If you do happen to go out, uh, you might want to tip your servers a little extra because. Service personnel are going to be hurting if y'all are, uh, you know, if you're in an area like us. Uh, so just a thought. Happy uh, Thanksgiving Thanks, to Americans and well, happy related. Thanksgiving to everyone else, too. What did you say? Yeah. I said Dank Farrick, not related to the Happy Thanksgiving. Dank Farrick. Related yeah. to the other parts. The quarantines. So, yeah. Um, all right. And we'll see you again uh, next Friday, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Audio one.